The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. It is the most wonderful time of the year. You may think it's the dead season, folks, of the NFL calendar. No, absolutely not. Why? It's list cast season. It's back, baby. The L is back. It's good again. It's not just for hats. It's for us here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's list cast. If you know, don't know what list cast is, stay tuned. It is us doing top 10 podcast radio sports radio brought to you in podcast format it's annoying as it sounds but it's also fantastic it is us being self-indulgent it's everything we want to do in the middle of june on the pride of detroit pod cast as always i am your adequate host chris perfett at chris perfett on twitter very charged up about this. Finally, I don't have to think about rosters right now. I don't have to think about guys who are pecking at the that at the third or fourth spot on a depth chart. I get to think about hot takes and idiocy. Whereas, however, the man who is my eternal partner here by law, by law, we get married. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. Uh, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, who likes the season, but also I think is the complete opposite of me. We're getting away from what he likes best, which is like rosters and names and little camp battles. And he's getting into my territory. He's the beat writer. I'm the sports radio guy. Uh, well, yes and no, because there is part of me that's like, I, I don't. I don't love top 10 lists because I think sometimes it makes us have petty arguments. But at the same time, I am so glad to have just a, a moment to, to, to catch my breath a little bit because yeah. of the crazy offseason the Lions had. Now we can just we can goof off for a couple couple weeks and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. We do have some Lions talk coming before we get into our list cast. And I will say, though, Jeremy, it is annoying, but it's not as annoying as goat talk. True. Which Madden Madden coming out today with like a vi- video of goats. It's like, oh, Christ, here we go again. Again, Jordan has poisoned everything. And now let's go to live to our goat expert. The big man himself, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock at Ryan underscore P.O.D. Ryan, who is the goat of the NFL? <laughs> I don't know why, but you said I was the goat expert, and the thing that I immediately jumped to is Robert De Niro asking Ben Stiller, um, you know, the men who stare at ni- goats. I, I God, I forgot no, no, about no, no, that movie. No, no, no. I was thinking, oh, I, no. I, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? And I know it was about a cat, oh, whoa, whoa. but whoa, I don't know. I don't know. Whoa, just, let's keep got goat nipples on the mind. That's all. I listen. We just <laughs> wow. So Can we you- just started. I was gonna say we just started the scraps. This is Scraps Talk, but it's live on a POD cast. This is what no. happens when there's no news. That's Scraps why they become, li- become the main <laughs> main course. There are no you longer all- side dishes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, today is all side dishes. It's all egg rolls and crab rangoons and, Not mozzarella and short ribs. No mozzarella sticks. No, 
but no, we're at a Chinese buffet, Jeremy, not not crab legs, maybe crab raccoons, things of that nature. Mm. So, by the way, thank you all who have given good feedback on the scraps. It seems to be a hit. Those will continue. Although, again, we're already off the rails on this one. Uh, Jeremy, though, before we begin, no, it's I like being off the rails. You know that Uh, before we begin our list cast in about like eight minutes or so, I do want to talk a little bit. Jeremy, you streamed it last night, the new episode of Inside the Den. Yeah. which shows you where we're going to find Lions news right now. It, well, uh, we, we were doing camp. We were doing mini camp. We were doing OTAs. <laughs> and then just we ground to a halt. And suddenly Jeremy's like, ooh, the new episode of Inside the Den is out. Well, listen, Inside the Den is an impressive series. It, it always oh, has fine. been. It, it gave us, I mean, back in the day, it was our version of Hard Knocks. And sure, it's, it's you know, the corporate media version where we're, we're getting all the positive stuff. But this is what we've been asking for for a really long time and, and what's kind of become the the new um, the new exciting things for for team media departments. And that's behind the scenes draft footage. And I love behind the scenes draft footage. It's amazing. I, I said it last night. One of my favorite things um, that, that I wish like if I could have if I could pick out a story to do, it would be spend a weekend in a, in a war room because that has to be just a fascinating thing that we don't that we're not normally privy to. And the Lions released their version of that. You know, the Colts had a, a good version. Um, there were other teams that, that did it as well. The Panthers had a good one, I believe. Um, but this is the most inside access we've ever gotten inside the Lions war room. And it was fun. I mean, we've spent all offseason talking about how fun Dan Campbell was, but he was even more fun, like even with, you know, with people not necessarily watching, you know, he's. He's he's telling the camera or he's, he's he's watching the TV and he's going Elefanu stay and I don't know it, it was just it's fun to see him be himself and and it's just more more confirmation that that what we're seeing in front of that podium is is who he is. So he's it's just funny a big because I, I I'm on the opposite fence is that you know I I love the draft time but rather than being in the war room I want to be in the homes of these players. Sure. And, and they got, got to show too. some of that. Well, yeah. and that's what I was yeah. going to say. We got to see Panay Sewell break down and we got to see who was it? Was it Amon Ra St. Brown with the uh, little phone video just with all everyone uh, hanging around? Just and he got it. a call. He got a call from yeah. Magic Johnson. Yeah, that yeah. Was weird. L.A. baby, cool. L.A. Yeah. baby. <laughs> like, yeah, no, but that's that's the cool. That's the cool magic of the draft season. And yeah, it is. As I've heard another person refer to this kind of stuff, state sponsored NFL media. But we like these looks inside. It, it gives us good memes and hopefully this one lasts longer than the uh, than the baseball bat. Well, yeah, if you want something to replace the baseball bat, it's the phrase we're going to bring you in to compete and also <laughs> trust the process like it, we trusted our process, it, our process, 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 process. Like it just I mean, it was on a loop. And then yeah. every phone call from Dan Campbell was we're going to bring you in to compete, brother. And it fires me up, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the the thing, the, the thing about watching the video that stood out immediately, as you know, Jeremy kind of already alluded to the Lions drafted six pro bowlers and Jamar <laughs> Je- and Jamar Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jamar. Mm. They just didn't dedicate the amount of time to Jamar Jefferson that they did to everybody else. (laughs) Well, it's because, I mean, even in the war room, they probably weren't talking about him that much. They were just like sitting around for 150 picks being like, all right, what do we do now? Oh, we're on the clock. Uh, Jamar Jefferson. We like that uh, Oregon State guy. Yeah. Was it was it Dan Campbell who like like, draft at that point? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He like leans over after they make the Darren Derek Barnes pick. And he's like, and we got like how many more picks? Or he's like, he says, like, we got like 100 more picks until our next. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but he's uh, really feeling it at that point. He's he's uh, he's the he's Roger Goodell air. Uh, Mr. Rogering in his in his chair at that point. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I know, Chris, you just mentioned some some things that you'd like to see more is the kind of like the opposite side and seeing into the um, the living rooms of these players that are getting drafted, which, you know, they showed a little bit. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more myself because I, I think they did a pretty thorough job with Panay Sewell. Um, and then obviously it kind of de-escalated with with the rest of the picks. But um, I just want to talk. Feel like a, a, yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. I was just going to say real quick and I'll let you finish. But like I for me, at, for my journalism and for my like human interest side, that kind of stress that that's where the real stress is on draft night. Those guys, their entire, you know, their entire careers up to this point on the line. And like, yeah, Panay went at seven. He went pretty high. But like and I don't want to see the pain, just the pain of guys when they fall. but like 
you, you can even see it in Panay Sewell that moment when everything floods over him, over him, yeah. like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And his whole family is there and just the pressure of like the family college coaches who are there, everything that that's a pressure cooker. I want to be in. I want to be in that. I want to I want some I want to be some short ribs in that in that instant pot and just feel well, what that's like. I think that's a really cool angle to to get, you know, some behind the scenes footage on for sure, because you see Panay Sewell. But at the same time, you see Aline McNeil, who's just kind of like lounging on a couch with a back scratcher, just like waiting for somebody to draft him. So, um, you know, I, I liked how they, they made him do like an interview with the teams to be like, oh, yeah, like I was excited. I just wasn't showing it just because whatever, whatever, whatever. They, they're like, yeah. you have to explain yourself if we're going to show you being kind of slovenly on the couch. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite takeaway, though, and that's what I wanted to get around to is your guys is kind of like favorite takeaway you had or like favorite part of this, you know, inclusion in inside the den. My my personal favorite were, were the little clips that we got of the pre-draft interviews with yeah. like Melifon Wu and Derek Barnes, um, even some of the their uh, undrafted players that they had yeah. some conversations with that they that they showed even like Hank Fraley talking to um, Panay Sewell. I thought all of those kind of conversations were pretty cool because it didn't give you a ton, but it gave you some like some insight into like describe yourself in three words, like as a football player and like all like some of the draft questions that came along with it, too. Um, But yeah, I I thought that was cool. And even Aubrey Pleasant talking to Melifanu and Melifanu asking a question too pleasant of like, what's one thing that would be beneficial to me? Like, you know, during this draft process. yeah. 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 I was just gonna say really quick, like watching Amonra St. Brown break down his own film is is cool. Like that, yeah. I, of course they're doing that sort of stuff, but you never really see it. So just kind of seeing that process, I agree that was that was a good addition. That's all cool. I once like a whole interview with uh, who was it? Was it Onzerike's neighbor who had the Lions jersey ready to go? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Jersey went outside Draped over yeah. the fence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess my biggest takeaway is that. Like you really saw we we've heard the camaraderie thing from everybody in the building, right? Like everyone's yeah. getting along and and the working relationships so well and 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 it's all collaborative. You really did see it in that video and and it was interesting to me because Brad Holmes did kind of like a round of interviews yesterday with the or last week with the media, and one of the things he said was the best thing about the job was working alongside Dan Campbell, and that kind of surprised me. I'm like, it, it, it sounds again, it sounds like a corporate Fred line, like, wow, the GM and, and coach are getting along so well. But like those guys were just two guys having a blast in a war room the entire time. And uh, it really I, I think maybe the the time it, it really displayed itself was when they were doing the UDFAs, when they were when everyone mm-hmm. in the room was calling up the UDFAs. And and it, that's interesting to me because I've never really seen that. All these behind the scene war room videos, they don't really show the UDFA process where everyone's got a phone in their hand trying to close deals. And you see Mike Disner closing deals. You see Dorsey closing deals. You see voices Diss, that you don't Diss, even good hear. Good job. Diss. Yeah. 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 And they're all getting pumped for each other and they're all working together. And, and that's that's just a cool thing to see. And it, is yeah. it like that everywhere? I mean, probably everyone's everyone's doing, you know, giving each other high fives because they got the guy they wanted. And. And, and and Dan Campbell apparently is doing backflips for for Sage Surratt, which is very very surprising to me. Maybe we'll have to give him more credit when when training camp comes around. But um, yeah, I think the UDFA part was the most interesting for me. Yeah, and again, like I, I think again, we we have to rebound on this. This is at, at Lions themselves present this. They right. get to control the message on that, and that's something you see more and more across the NFL, where teams are more and more controlling their own messages. So. It's cool. It's very cool. And we get to eat it up here. But it's also like just just a, just a, just a bit of caution in case it comes down the pike and suddenly things aren't as rosy. But I mean, for right now, I mean, but you, to, to Jeremy's point, you hear it everywhere about the Lions right now that everyone that is just a, such a culture change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of that culture change, I think why all of us kind of ate this up like it was a rich cracker when in reality it was like a saltine was because we've been starving for something like this for how long? God, we, we got right. past minicamp and there's nothing. Well, and there, I mean, there, there was like six years of, of no behind the scenes stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the, could you ever imagine the last regime putting out a video like this? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, they tried, but it was I mean, it was even more, you know, uh, filtered. Yeah. Filtered than this. It was still uh, filtered. Yeah. 
Um, but there, there were like, yeah, let's let's talk about maybe some of the, the things that they weren't showing or maybe things that, that you wish you would have seen, because, yeah, I do think this was filtered. Otherwise, you would you would believe that the Lions got everyone they wanted every I mean, and, and maybe to some point that is true. Like they, it was cool that they were talking about Amonra St. Brown in, in day two and they ended up getting him on day three. You know, when he's trying to tell Sheila Ford Hamp, like, don't worry about us not getting a wide receiver that USC kid's still on the board. And turns out they, they get him a day later. But they didn't mention a single other draft prospect in this entire video that they didn't draft. Are, do you, are, are you going to lead me to believe that there was never a conversation about grabbing someone else? Of course No, no, that's definitely, that's definitely like, was. again, that's, that's part of the, that's part and of I, the state media And touch. I would have liked to see that because like, even, I think even in the first round, they said like, there was a reference to two people they would have liked. One mm-hmm. being Panay Sewell, the other being, I don't know. And, and would yeah. it really hurt the Lions' reputation that much if they had just revealed that person? I mean, if that person goes on to be, you know, a Hall of Famer and Panay Sewell sucks or whatever, maybe, maybe someone links that and they look bad or whatever. But to me, I wish there would have been a little bit more transparency there in terms of players that they were also considering and even more specifically trades. You know I like trade talk. They, they referenced a couple trades. Um... And, you know, in the first round, they were talking about a, maybe a trade up. It seemed like they were never serious about a trade down. Um, and then I guess the, the thing that might, I mean, it feeds into my anxiety that I already had a little bit about Brad Holmes is like, I don't think they took any trade down offers that seriously. There was, there was a point when they were about to draft Melifano at 101 and he, Brad Holmes is on the phone with presumably Jacksonville at 130. He says trade down to 130. And and what do you do you guys remember what the next words were out of Dan Campbell's mouth? No. Tell him two first rounds. Two future firsts. <laughs> hey, I like the two, balls on this guy. I like I like the cut of his jib. I like the cut of his jib. Yeah. In other words, right. no thank you. I, I want to stay where I'm at. And I'm just like, well, I mean, at least have a real conversation. Come on. Well, we're about to have a real conversation coming up right here in a couple minutes because it's time for this cast. How excited are you, Ryan? Uh, it is 10.30 p.m. the night before Christmas. Okay. That's very specific. If you know, you know. Very. If you know, you know. We'll be right back on the Pride to Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's ListCast time. Let's do it. Let's finally do it. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how long I have been waiting. We had a list, another ListCast during the break that I don't even know if that one will make it into the scraps because it was painful was painful to put together like the worst thing but that's just a reminder you can join us on twitch.tv slash pride to detroit for the full experience of our pain agony of being the most reviewed lions podcast we bring you everything you want man we do and some things you don't want it's list cast season since we have implemented this from a few years ago we have a system where we pull the pride to detroit staff writers and friends who have joined the podcast some who haven't 
we we compile them as a composite crit uh, myself jeremy ryan we have our own rankings and we'll talk maybe about our own rankings a little bit but we try to do the entire pod staff and let them have their say and it creates some strife and it creates some discourse let's talk about though as we always do before we get into the top 10 the guys who didn't make it some guys got some points uh depending on where they landed on these lists but some some people were alone in their charges like say hamza who had amari cooper at six who did not make this list at all or myself with keenan allen who uh i was the only one standing on those pair on those uh on those ramparts for keenan allen i i thought i thought about keenan allen and then i'm like you know what i think terry mclaurin is going to be the new keenan allen and i almost put terry mclaurin on my list but he's not quite there yet. He needs. There's some a young bit. guys on this list. I, I think Chris <laughs> Godwin. I want to talk about Chris Godwin a second because I, I see he fell out of the top 10. But like Chris Godwin, very exciting. Um, I think A.J. Brown, not not to spoil this. A.J. Brown's another one of those young wide receivers that's turning a lot of heads. But I want to talk about one in particular that didn't make our list, Jeremy. Uh, well, which which one did you, did you have? Did you have circled? Because I think you were looking up if he was in our top 10 last year. Okay, well, yeah, we were talking during the break. Kenny, Kenny Galladay did not make this list. Um, in fact, I was the only one to vote for him as a top 10 receiver. He was 10 on my list. And I found that interesting. Um, Is you it know, just he's no longer a lion and we're doing this? Well, there, there's a couple things that might be working against him. Um, you know, there has become this narrative in Detroit that, you know, he didn't get any separation, therefore he's trash. Um, there, there's the fact that he got injured last year. So if you're, if you're trying to create this list based on 2020 stats, he's not going to be up there. And yeah, there's the fact that he's no longer aligned. And I think that hurts him too. But I mean, that's not to say there aren't arguments that he's not a top 10 wide receiver. I just think, you know, we, I, we, I think we had this discussion last year and I don't remember if he made our list or not, but, um, I, I know there were, there were a couple of us that were saying like, he's there. He just needs to, you know, put together a couple seasons. And to be fair, he hasn't put together, strung together like yeah. multiple seasons no, of doing it. Um, I just think if we're talking skill wise, if we're talking and that's the thing that we need to to make sure everyone realizes this is supposed to be, um, you know, in a vacuum, just based on pure talent, not how we think they're going to do this year, not based on quarterback play, not based on what scheme they're in. It's just based on pure talent. And I think Kenny Galladay, pure talent wise, is a top 10 wide receiver, but just barely. And so it doesn't surprise me that he didn't make the list at all. Yeah, I mean, he hurt. He hurt not playing this. This was the big year for yeah. him. We didn't really see how he played. So I think he's still an unknown factor for us. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I want to say, Just, like, not yeah. having Amari Cooper or Keenan Allen on the list or, you know, some of the guys like Kenny Galladay in the top 10, like, there's so much variance that happens throughout the course of a season. Like, of course, some of this stuff is going to make us look goofy, right? Like, yeah. not yeah. having one of these guys on our list is going to be like, how did you not have X wide receiver on your list of top 10? He went and balled out. So, like, like I would, like... When all of us submitted our top 10 list, there was nobody who included anybody on a list where I was like, how would you ever include them in the top 10? Right. You know, was yeah. there any other names we should uh, cover? I mentioned Chris Godwin. D- DK Metcalf came in at 13. I think he and Godwin, three different like for both of those guys, three different people had them on their polls and they just didn't. Those are the only two with more than like two voters who just didn't make the list. I, I mean, I was pretty surprised that DK Metcalf didn't make the list. Really? I, I mean, don't. I had him what eighth, I think. I mean, he yeah, he did two two seasons of of very productive football, a nine hundred yard season and a thirteen hundred yard season with ten touchdowns last year. Um, I I know he he started his career as kind of like a meme, you know, like he's just like this super buff dude with just like a ridiculous body type and and ridiculous claims that he's Megatron, and I'm not claiming that, but like he's backed it up. That dude. That dude is what twenty three years old, and I think he's I, I think he's already proved it. I think he's going to continue to prove it. I'm surprised he didn't make it. I'm I'm mostly just worried because I've seen this happen with guys, and again, we're we're doing this talent wise, not scheme. But when I look at a Seahawks receiver, I do have to wonder how much is their skill, and then who's just the recipient at the moment for uh, Russell Wilson, and that's kind of how I've regarded. Metcalf like yeah he's he's had a, he's had a decent receiver I I look a lot at catch percentage I want to see guys who have sure hands and I, I think we'll talk about this later but 
he was like his first year it was 58%, his second year only 64%. That that kind of hurts me regardless of how many yards you you have. Like yeah, Yak will probably come into play, but I like to see guys who have sure hands too. And I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I was going to say I'm probably going to end up contradicting myself in this list, but for me the reason why a guy like Chris Godwin still made my list is not just because I've kind of made myself into it, but because he's a guy who plays in both the slot and outside. So like yeah. that kind of versatility is something that I look at and be like, Hey, like this guy can play all over the field. He's a threat. When it comes to Chris Godwin, I had all my stats pulled up and ready to go. So I have to say that he spent the exact same amount of time in the slot and out wide in his NFL career. So like, those are the kind of guys that I really appreciate. Yeah. We all have different criteria. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. And yeah, really quick before we we should probably jump into the top yeah, ten. Yeah, I was I was about to, but yeah. Yeah, I, I do think um and there's kind of been this ongoing argument uh internally about who's the best receiver for the Buccaneers. And it seems like maybe they split the vote a little bit because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin finished eleventh and twelfth on our yeah, list. Yeah, I, I need to call out Jerry Mallory for putting Mike <laughs> Evans at fifth and screwing like everything up here. I mean it didn't though. He didn't he ended yeah. up staying outside the top ten. So Oh, that's that's fair. That's fair. But... <laughs> All right. All right. Um, but yeah, let's start. Number 10 we have on our list is drumroll for your new number one man, I think, in Atlanta, Calvin Ridley. Julio Jones is out of the building now, but Calvin Ridley very quietly has been very productive. And I think, again, we're, we're looking at just talent, but it's hard, to, like, even with Julio Jones there opposite him, like, the talent was on display last year. He kind of came into his own uh, a hundred uh, 1300 yards receiving. Uh, I not, not as great on catch percentage la- that year, but close to around 70% years prior. And I think pro football focus grade for Calvin Ridley had him at 11 last year, 84.9 tied with Keenan Allen. Yeah, I I have to mention my favorite Calvin Ridley stat because he just finished outside my list. I hem hawed like he was he was right there at like number 10 for a while. Um, But my favorite Calvin Ridley stat is uh, he led the league last year in total 15 plus yard receptions. Uh, He had 40 of them. So, I mean, you think about all of the other names that are going to be up on this list. Calvin Ridley led all of the receivers last year in 15 plus yard catches. So. I mean, that's 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 a pretty it's a pretty big stat, especially when he had 40 of them. Yeah, he, he didn't make my list either. But yeah, he was right on the edge there. Uh, he, I mean, he proved last year he could be a number one receiver, right? Like that was the question. Could he eventually take over that number one role? And, and with Julio injured most of the season, he did. And he almost 1400 yards, almost doubled his career yardage after, um, you know, 2000 and had good rookie and, and, and second season before that. 820 yards, mm-hmm. 866 10 touchdowns his rookie season, seven and nine. So he's been consistently that, that red zone threat, big play threat. Um, I, I still want to see a little bit more before he, he makes my, my top list, but um, he's, he's, he can certainly do it this year, right? Like if he does it again in a full off season where he's being groomed as the number one. Um, yeah. He has, he has a chance to, to really cement himself as maybe even a top five guy. And especially when he's got Kyle Pitts, you had to, you had to, I'm so I, I think I'm the only one on this podcast who had Calvin Ridley in my top 10. I think I had him at six. Yep. Which just shows kind of the variance that we're taught that Ryan was talking about. We're all kind of it's all over the board here where you make the top 10 for you guys. So let's go on to number nine. You know, this guy wasn't in my top 10, so it's my turn to kind of doubt him a bit. But I know a lot of other people. I think he was on the top 10 for everyone except for myself Jeremy, you didn't have him in your top 10 either. Neither did, I believe, uh, Jerry Mallory. But Saints receiver Michael Thomas makes it in at number nine, just by a single point above Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to do a mea culpa here. Like, it's not that I completely forgot him, but I think if I would do the, if I would, you know, put another three hours into this, I think I probably would have put Michael Thomas on the list because he's he's one of these guys that, that's just, I feel like he fell off all of our radars because of, a, a you know injury last year didn't play much um this this was a guy who was probably a top five on our list last year and there always is the question especially in new orleans like 
is he just getting a ridiculous amount of targets and that's why he has so so many yards and and in some cases the, the answer is yes i mean he had 149 catches last year which is a ridiculous number no anything over 100 years is a lot. Ago, right two years ago yes sorry 1999 yeah. or i was gonna say i was gonna say, I was gonna say 20 yeah 2019 <clears throat> that was an insane amount but like even before that almost 150 in 2017 and 2018 each yeah so like i that's why i didn't have him in my top 10 i just saw him as like a scheme product and like but, he's a great screen product. He's but, a great I screen mean, product. Let's not get it wrong. But you also have to consider a guy who's getting targeted that much is getting double covered. He's he's the yeah. focus of the defense, and he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. So uh, he absolutely deserves to be on this list. He blew the doors off. He blew the doors off in 2019 with over 100. What was it? 108 yards per game average. I just don't see that kind of production going forward out of him. But uh, Ryan, maybe you can find the upside on him that we since both of us didn't have him in our top 10. I think he's just one of those guys who you can make all the jokes you want about how many slant routes he's going to run and how many catches he's going to make near the line of scrimmage to inflate that reception total. But there is a there's a skill in that like there's a skill in being able to catch those passes even when you're you know as jeremy just mentioned like you're being schemed up where guys are probably double covering you they're putting a guy over the top um because it's not like michael thomas is just a one-trick pony um but he's obviously not going to get the same love that some of those other deep threats are going to get like julio jones or you know guys who can really stretch the field but i i think that there's there's value in Michael Thomas's ability to to I mean make contested catches because I think right there at the line of scrimmage that's when cornerbacks are able to put their hands all over you and Michael Thomas is able to fight that off and make the catch and you know as Chris mentioned I, I think there's some recency bias too just because Thomas had an injured season in 2020 um, and missed a lot of time and obviously was without Drew Brees um, but we'll see how he can do with Jameis Winston and I know we're supposed to do this in a vacuum but that's I don't know how if that's going to do wonders for Michael Thomas. I think if you're a good enough receiver, you're you can overcome your quarterback sometimes. Like one of the guys was later on our list. We will absolutely talk about that because he's yeah. prime example. Poor number man. one of that. Yeah. Poor yeah. Guy. But you mentioned Julio Jones. He is our number eight receiver. He is on this list at number eight. The old man still going strong now in Tennessee. We'll have to see how he does, you know, opposite AJ Brown. That might take some, you know, receptions away from him um but yeah i people still love julio jones i thought maybe you know he'd be a little lower just because like he might just because of the age because of the change from atlanta but he's our number eight receiver yeah i, I think this is a good spot for him in the countdown i had him i had him at seven um but yeah he's he's 32 he's gonna be in a new place which is always an adjustment and, and you know maybe not as much for wide receiver i think wide receivers can kind of really succeed wherever they go um, but even in his injured season, he had what, like 700, 800 yards, um, 771. The dude is just, is a, I mean, he's a hall of famer. He's, he's going to be a hall of famer Absolutely. At, at, at this point. I don't really have a belief, reason to believe he's going to slow down in, unless it, the injury bug sticks with him, but never really been a, a huge problem in his career. I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. And I, I still think he's the big play threat that he's always been. He'll slow down eventually, but wide receivers can, especially of, of the, the large variety can stick around for a while. And I think he will. Yeah. He's definitely up there as like one of the best receivers of all time. And uh, I know maybe that kind of pushes him onto this list, but if there's a guy who has anything to prove this season, it's going to be Julio in Tennessee. And yeah, I mean, he's just one of those, He's one of those elite talents that once he's going to be gone, like you're going to be looking for somebody to fill that void. Like it's like kind of like the Calvin Johnson effect. Like once Calvin was gone, it was like, who's making those highlight reel catches, you know, when he's double, triple covered and, you know, 25, 30 yards down the field. Well, that that became Julio Jones. Like once Julio Jones goes away, who's going to be Julio Jones? Calvin Ridley. (laughs) Oh, Bold. That's why he's our number 10. All right. Number seven, newcomer to the list. I can't believe we're doing a sophomore on this list, but he balled out on his on his rookie year. I almost had both. I almost considered giving votes to both Minnesota Vikings receivers. But Justin Jefferson comes in at number seven. And I can't think of a of a guy who's like that. That was an insane rookie year that he had to do that with, you know, opposite Adam Thielen. Like, yeah, it, it'll be impressive to see what, you know, what they can do in uh, 
with, with him in Minnesota. But I mean, just going just going down the list here on on um, Justin Jefferson, excuse me, as I stumble a little bit, but like a rookie getting 1400 yards receiving at a 70 percent catch per, catch rate. Again, I like catch rate uh, yards per game, 87. And I believe he came he was PFF's second highest graded wide receiver last year at 90.4 tied with someone else who's going to appear on our list later. But um, yeah, it, I, I, I mean, to me, the holy God, the, the statistic that really pops out to me is is yards per catch. 15.9. That is a ridiculous number. I mean, you, we talk about Michael Thomas, you know, just being a, a uh, an, uh, an example of, of just getting a ton of targets. You go back to like Michael Thomas's 2018 season. He got 1,400 yards on 125 receptions. Julio Jones got to 1,400 yards on 88. 88? Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Sorry, what did I say? Julio Jones? Yeah. Those double J's. I, another yeah, JJ. I, 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 I'll, remind, I'll remind you all again that he did that. Like, I don't, he wasn't hurt this year, was he? Um, Adam Thielen? I don't think he was. Like, I don't think so. Um, no, no, no. So, like, 2019 was when he was injured. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Excuse me. I sorry, I'm being adequate. But like, yeah, no, to do all that when you already have as a rookie, when you already have another established receiving threat in Minnesota from Adam Thielen. I mean, as we say, independent of scheme, and he definitely yeah. proved that. Mo- well, and- most most 20 plus yard plays amongst wide receivers tied with Calvin Ridley and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that's maybe most impressive about Justin Jefferson is there were a lot of questions about why Minnesota was so comfortable moving on from a guy who's going to be on our list a little bit later here in Stefan Diggs. Um, and Justin Jefferson came in and he had just an incredible season. And um, my favorite stat comes from PFF uh, <clears throat> against single coverage. Um, he led the league uh, in uh, yards per target at 13.2. So um, this is a guy who, you know, just gets downfield and makes big plays. So this will be a big year for him, though, right? Like, because Cat's out of the back. Not not that he was like a complete secret as, as a first round pick or anything like that. Sure. But um, he's going to get a heck of a lot more attention this year. And it'll be interesting to see how, how he rebounds. Mm-hmm. How he reacts. As a reminder, these are all for the year upcoming of 2021. It's not for a full career or where their careers stand right now, yeah. just what we think we're going to do in a single season. Not like a fantasy um, draft, which is why a guy like oh, Julio no. Jones, yeah. um, we, we wouldn't be drafting a 33-year-old receiver. Yeah, this is also isn't in for fantasy. Like, I, I, again, yeah. I have to keep teasing for something coming up on why I didn't rate this guy as high, but like some of these guys just won't get you touchdown numbers. The, the, we're looking at other things. We're looking at production from various angles here. Number and I, six, I, I would yeah. also never participate in a fantasy list. I think that I, know I, I want to make that clear. Well, we mentioned Julio Jones, and now it's time to go to the other side of that of that field there. A.J. Brown comes in at number six. Again, another young guy showing up on our top 10. Only two years of service. Both years is over a thousand yards receiving. Um, I think he is the man to look out for in Tennessee. Julio will still be good, but I think A.J. Brown will be better. And uh, he, he didn't even he hasn't even played a full season yet. I think he played like, what, 12 games? Um, no, it, I'm looking at games started. I'm an idiot. Excuse me. Adequate. Um, but I think Justin, uh, AJ Brown, I, I, he is tied with Justin Jefferson and PFF grade from last year, 90.4 and yeah, 11 touchdowns too. um, fifth most in, in the NFL last year. I'll be honest. I haven't watched almost any of AJ Brown's game. At all, like well, Tennessee is just a team Tennessee I didn't watch. Yeah, right. And and I mean to be fair, like Tennessee is a very balanced offense. So you know, Derrick Henry is is obviously the the forefront of the attention there. But yeah, I think AJ Brown is is an up and comer. I'm I'm eager to watch more of his game because because in doing this research, all I'm seeing is like everyone gushing over him, a high PFF grade. Um, you know, two very promising seasons to to start his career. Um, I, I'm eager to see what he's got, but I'll be honest. I, I, I can't say a lot about his game personally because I haven't seen it. It almost sounds like the kiss of death because you could have replaced AJ Brown with Chris Godwin. So hopefully knock on wood, AJ oh, Brown man. stays healthy. But my favorite stat for AJ Brown uh, generated 2.66 yards per route run in his first two years. 
And that's the highest mark PFF has ever recorded of a wide receiver in their first two seasons. Better than Antonio Brown, better than Odell Beckham Jr. You know, we're, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., when he came in the league, he's, he's the highest graded wide receiver rookie of all time, according to PFF standards. So, I mean, you're setting the bar as high as you can. And A.J. Brown cleared that. So he's hurdled it, cleared yeah. the hurdle. Yeah. So A.J. Brown's he's the real deal, man. He's going to be. Don't be surprised if A.J. Brown, like next year for our list, is in like top three discussion and he's not three. Hot take. We'll keep that. We'll keep that one uh, stored in the holster. Clip it. Yep. All right. We've done our bottom five. After the break, we're doing our top five. Let's recap again. Number 10 is Calvin Ridley, your new number one in Atlanta for the Falcons. Number nine is Michael Thomas with the New Orleans Saints. Number eight is Julio Jones, now of the Tennessee Titans. Number seven, Justin Jefferson of the, excuse me, I've completely forgot where he plays, Minnesota Vikings, that's right. Minnesota Vikings. And then another Titan at number six of A.J. Brown. But who will make our top five? That's next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're continuing our list cast here for wide receivers for the NFL upcoming season in 2021. We've done our bottom five and our honorable mentions, and we move on now to the top five. To recap, however, real quick, honorable mentions for guys who received votes but did not make it. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, and Kenny Galladay. Now let's remind you where we're at. Number 10 was Calvin Ridley. Number nine was Michael Thomas. Eight was Julio Jones. Seven Jefferson Jefferson. Excuse me, I'm stumbling over my tongue at that. Number eight is AJ Brown. And now number five, Allen Robinson of the Bears. I think I teased earlier that I said that the point of list cast is independent of scheme, current weapons, coaching, and especially for wide receivers, quarterbacks who are throwing to you. Allen Robinson has proven that it doesn't matter the quality of the quarterback that throws to him because he has had some god awful quarterbacks throwing to him between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, and he is still balling. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Blake, for I forget completely half. about Blake Bortles. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the poor man has, and and maybe uh, ho- hopefully he still doesn't have a quarterback. No, no offense to the Chicago Bears. Knock on wood. Uh, but yeah, I mean. It's fr- I, I, I'm almost frustrated for him, given that, you know, he doesn't have these 1,400, 1,500 yard seasons where he's putting up double digit touchdowns, except for once in his career. 2015, he had literally 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. Hasn't had a season anywhere close to that since. But, I mean, he's still putting up 1,100 yards, 1,200 yards, doing doing a good job and, and just looking studly. Like, the dude can catch. He has one of the craziest catch, radius, catch radiuses in the NFL. And if, if he can just get a quarterback that can put it somewhere near him so that if he runs to the left, a quarterback can throw it to the left. Uh, and, and, and maybe that guy is Justin Fields. We'll, we'll see. Um, but but man, uh, I feel bad for the guy. Um, he deserves better than Chicago. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And uh, Chris's favorite stat, right? In 2020, uh, he posted a 1% drop rate that ranked third amongst receivers with at least 100 plus targets. So. Um, I mean, and also tied for the most contested catches with 21 in the league. So he had to earn every single one of those receptions. And uh, Helen Robinson, really good, really, really worried about him and Justin Fields. I'm really concerned about that. Yeah, I think hmm. let's just help. Let's just hope that he gets ever more disgruntled by Chicago just sucking overall by the time Justin Fields gets good. And then he won't then they won't be together. 
I feel like you slap a guy with a franchise tag. I know it's not the curse. I think we make it out to be sometimes because like, oh, my God, they just hit me with a ton of money with the franchise tag. How how ungrateful. But at the same time, like he could be going anywhere right now. He could be going anywhere and people would see the value in him. Yep. PFF agrees with us. Allen Robinson was their fifth rated receiver last year at an 88.3 offensive grade. We move on now to number four on our list. This is where we're starting to get into the calcified, calcified part of where we know the greats are. And it's just a matter of where we're placing them. Number four is on our list is Tyreek Hill of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jeremy is making a face because I think he wants me to defend something. No, well, I messed something up on the stream, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, you you had him ninth on your list. Everyone else had him basically Excuse sixth me, I had or tenth. You had ten, I'm sorry, you did. You have him tenth unless everyone else had him. Yeah, I think sixth or higher. And it, I mean, he's he's a unique guy, right? He's he's not like any of these other the, the guys that tend to be on the top of this list are the the tall contested catches guys that are also extremely fast. Tyreek Hill is just an absolute freak when it comes to his speed, and it makes him unguardable. It makes him. A, a, a nightmare for defenses and at some point that's probably going to run out you know when he hits a certain age but dude is still only 27 the dude put up 15 touchdowns 1200 yards last year he's he's just he's so unique in that you have a field of the best athletes in the world and he still stands well above them in terms of his speed and his agility and and all that stuff and and it's just I, I don't like using this term for people, but it's it, he's a freak in terms of he is, like he's, he's unmatched by anyone on the field. And that's just crazy to think about when there's so many athletes in this league. He, he is a freak. But at the same time, like I again, I look at hands. I look at being a surefire guy. I don't like drops anymore. Um, <laughs> and he, he came in 14th on PFF last year, which. I, I don't know. I started to examine him a little bit closer and I, well, I feel like he is an athletic freak. There is a lot of his form that I just, I, I feel like it's a crowded list and I feel like as good as Tyreek Hill is, he's not top five for me. It's just, there's other guys with, I think I had Allen Robinson as my number four. And I just think there's other guys who are coming up that can do what Tyreek Hill does, but can also do it with more sure hands. I mean, I guess that's the part I would push back and I don't think there is anyone that can. That's what why Tyreek Hill is so unique to me. He might not have the well-rounded game of, you know, the, the, the contested catch, but he's so unique in his speed talent that it just it, it makes him a matchup nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say I remember PFF got memed all the oblivion when they tried to say that he was the best uh, deep threat in the history of the NFL. Um, I'm not but willing you only, to. You only had him at seven, Ryan. Yeah, and I mean, I had him at seven because I'm not calling him a one-trick pony uh, by any means, but I think that in terms of my flavor of wide receiver, I there are just guys that I prefer. Um, and, and we mentioned kind of like some of our personal criteria that we have for for you know putting this list together, but I, I think when it comes to Tyreek Hill, like. He is incredibly unique, like Jeremy said. I, I don't think that there's anybody else in the league that can really do what he does. I mean, remember when John Ross came on the scene? Everybody was like, oh, man, blazing speed. This guy is going to be a de injuries. Like if you're that fast, like injuries catch up to you. And that's the one thing about Tyreek Hill is that like injuries haven't caught up to him. So he's kind of he's really freakish in that um, from that standpoint. But um yeah, he was seventh on my list, but I think I don't know, like you get into the top 10 and like the you're already splitting hairs. So right, like right. right now, right now he's at a position, you know, a number four on our list where like, I mean, he could just as easily be four. He could just as easily be three. He could be six. Like, I don't know, like it's it's all just wild variants. Yep. However, there is no variance as we get into our top three where we all have the same top three. I mean, I'm looking at our own personal list here. We all have the same top three. All of us, I think, had them in different positions, too. But we're going to start with number three here. We are in the top three. I mentioned the, the Vikings earlier. This man is no longer a Viking, and thank God for that. Stefan Diggs out of Buffalo comes in at number three. I had him, I think, as my number two man. Uh, that's just how much I believe in him. But 
I don't have any more words to explain just how good Stefan Diggs is. He had his most career, his most single season yards last year, and there's no sign that he's going to be slowing down short of injury. And what makes him so good for me again, I just said how much I like catch percentage, how much I like sure hands 60, 76.5% catch percentage last year. Like, I, I don't know while doing that, while doing over I, a, lo, a step back from versus 2019, when I think his yards perception, Jeremy was close to like 18, but still just insane, I mean, 18, insane. Yeah, 18's a ridiculous number. And yeah, ridiculous. I, I think Buffalo really unlocked his full potential in a way that Minnesota yes. never did. And, and maybe it was because. He was kind of splitting the the stage with Adam Thielen in Minnesota. But the thing that I look for when when I'm, you know, creating this list is guys that are pure mismatches, guys that are that have the ability to just completely take over games. A guy who you're just looking at is like you're thinking of that coaching staff that week before is like, this guy's a problem. What are yeah, we going to do? He's a huge problem. And and you you look at Stefan Diggs 2020 season and it's just ridiculous. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of 16 games. He went over 100 yards all games. But one, he had at least six catches. So this guy is consistent week in, week out. And I think a lot of people thought maybe he wasn't consistent because, you know, there there was some talk about his uh, an, an attitude problem and things like that and him being a diva. But he found he found whatever works in, in, in Buffalo, um, whether it's, you know, his, his relationship with Josh Allen or whatever. I don't know. Like, I, I remember clowning him a little bit and saying, like, oh, you don't like her cousins. Wait until you see Josh Allen. Well. <laughs> I was wrong, and and they 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 found something special together, and he's just I, I we I think we all knew the talent was there in Minnesota, and you know we always weren't sure whether it was him or Adam Thielen that was the true number one, but I think I think those that that really watched the games knew it was Stefan Diggs, and he had the potential to have this kind of season. Now that he's the the showcase in Buffalo, this dude's this dude's arguably I mean. And you, you could put him anywhere in the top three, and I don't think you'd get a lot of pushback. Yeah, I I kept on moving. When I made my first draft of this list, I had Stefan Diggs like in like the I think like either like seven or eight spot, and then he just steadily kept on moving up my list as I kept on revising it because Jeremy already mentioned it, but Stefan Diggs has unlocked Josh Allen. Like it's not the other way around. Like. I, mm. I, I understand that it's kind of they're mutually benefiting from this, but like you're talking about a guy who was a 52 percent complete uh, com, uh, completion percentage in his first year, 58 percent his second year. Josh Allen, that's like below league average. And then last year, he's 69.2. I mean, an 11 percent jump in one year. Well, Stefan Diggs showed up and started catching all those contested, you know, balls that Josh Allen's throwing up. Stefan Diggs is coming down with all of them. So it's uh it's interesting that, you know, Stefan Diggs goes from being like a really good player in Minnesota to being like an elite. He belongs here at number three without a doubt. For sure. Yeah, it's just I'm glad he's not in the division anymore. But let's just say that. Can't say that about our number two guy. Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers. Um I have to Jerry and Eric, who are both not on this podcast, had him as number one. But for everyone else, he was number two. I had Diggs at number two, but Adams was my third. Um, I don't know what else to say about Devontae Adams. He was your highest rated PFF grade last year at 92. Um, he's damn good, and I wish he wasn't because it means <laughs> the Lions have to see him every year. 18 touchdowns last year. 98 yards per game, career highs, 77% catch rate. Um, he's, we, we just talked about it. He's a problem. Yeah. He's a real problem, and he's coming to his own. Yeah, and, and those last two stats, you said that the 10 touch, the, I'm sorry, the 18 touchdowns and the 98 yards per game, those are both uh, NFL highs last year. So yeah, um, if, if he would have played all 16 games, he theoretically would have been the, the yardage leader as well. Um, but yeah, I mean... All I think about when I think of Devonte Adams is listening to Darius Slay talk about Devonte Adams and how unguardable he is right off the snap. The dude's release is ridiculous, and when you're getting that sort of praise from a guy like Darius Slay, and he certainly isn't alone in cornerbacks praising a guy like Devonte Adams, 
uh, you know he's really, really good. And we've known for years that he's really, really good. And, you know, Green Bay had their issues with, with their offense in the past. And and I, I know there are probably a lot of Lions fans that think, well, you know, he's throwing Aaron Rodgers. Is he actually that good? He is. There's no question yeah, about even it. If, even if it's just Jordan Love throwing to him, maybe the production goes down a little bit. But you're still like like with Allen Robinson. Adams yeah. will show you why he's a good receiver, regardless of who's throwing to him. Yep. Yep. But that's why he's number two on my list and not number one. Because of like, the potential of love. I look, I, mean, I think independent. That, we're supposed to do it independent, but I mean, it's that that is part of it. Absolutely. Um, I think with Devontae Adams, again, we're splitting hairs about whether the guy at number one belongs at number two and whether the guy at number two belongs at number one. Devontae Adams, I agree with Jeremy. Like, are you going to find anybody who's better off the line of scrimmage than Devontae Adams? I don't know. No. Probably not. Um, are you going to be able to find a guy who is as reliable as as he is? Maybe not. But I don't know. I think there's one guy that's that's above him. And that is our number one nook himself, Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. A dead heat, but yeah, all three of us on this podcast, plus Hamza Bakush and John Whitaker, all have him at number one. I don't know what else to like. If you don't know Hopkins by now, it's Hopkins. Uh, Like the PS did resistance was catching that Hail Mary last year. (laughs) Like, just, God, I forgot like, about it. Was that, you was that only last year? Yeah, that was last year. That was last wow. year. That 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 Hail Mary. But we've always known Hopkins is fantastic. We've all known that with a quarterback now in his second year with him more comfortable in Arizona. Sky's the limit for DeAndre Hopkins. And that's why I put him number one for the upcoming year of 2021. Yeah, for me, I mean, if if you look at everyone else on this list, there there are some questions. Like Devontae Adams, he's had some injuries that he's had to fight through. Um, Stefan Diggs, you know, I, I, again, we're, we're probably splitting hairs over here, but like he's only had one good year in Buffalo. Will he continue? Like, will he continue? Maybe get more attention. To Point being, DeAndre Hopkins is the most proven guy on this list who has not shown any sign of decline. The dude has gone over 1,500 yards twice. He's gone over 1,400 yards three times. He's been to the Pro Bowl four straight years, five out of the last six. He's been an all-pro three out of the past four years. This guy is proven. This guy has been a top three receiver for the past four or five years. And like I said, no signs of slowing. Now he's under a new quarterback and and should be even playing, playing even better. The dude is just a highlight reel machine, and and it's not just that. It's not just making highlight reel. Like he's bringing it every week. He's making the routine catches. He's making yards after the catch. He literally does everything, and he does the highlight stuff, which is also really fun from watching from afar. So this this wasn't that close for me. I think DeAndre Hopkins is is still clearly the number one receiver in this league. Ryan Mallett. TJ Yates, Tom <laughs> Savage, Brock Osweiler, the list of quarterbacks that DeAndre Hopkins had to deal with in Houston. And then yeah, he finally I know I gets forgot Watson on there. I know I forgot Watson on there, damn. But I mean, still. Yeah, I, like to your he, point to your point. Yeah. I, and here's here's the thing. So like um, in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, uh, this is something I, I, I saw Robert Mays, um, you know, talk about. Um, and, and some other people, but it's this offense where there's a ton of wide receiver screens. So like, that's, I mean, he, he got a lot of, a lot of catches that were like right at the line of scrimmage, but he, he tied, um, the season leader for most broken tackles at the position, uh, with 21. Um, but just the most insane stat, like this is just Deandre Hopkins to a T 14 catches within a yard of the sideline in in 2020 most in the nfl extending his lead in that metric since entering the league to 26 uh he has 71 total 71 catches within a yard of the sideline a 0.9 percent drop rate lowest mark among those with at least 100 targets in 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 2020 dude deandre hopkins is really freaking good and he's i mean like when because he doesn't feel like he's in Calvin Johnson air. It doesn't feel like he's in Julio Jones air. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like yeah. DeAndre Hopkins gets that same rub. I have a theory. I have a theory for that. What's that? Houston. 
No one cares about Houston. Nobody effing cares about Houston. No one one cares about Detroit, right? Like, yeah, but like, uh, I I, I think I think part of it is just like Calvin. I don't feel like Calvin had a lot of competition. Like, I think we're in a really good era of wide receivers right now. And maybe DeAndre Hopkins gets a little bit lost in, in the scuffle there. Calvin Johnson. I mean, yeah, he wasn't, you know, the, the receiving leader every year, but like it was clear he was a ridiculous talent in terms of just like his physical attributes and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know that that is a really good point. I, th- I, I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins were to retire in training camp, I'd probably call him a Hall of Famer still. Has to be. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I think he is like it's. And I think we all agree for 2021, um, short of injury, he's going to just ball the bleep out. I also want to go back to your point about the quarterbacks because I, I wanted yeah. to jump in one of his best seasons, 1500 yards. His quarterbacks were for 11 games, Brian Hoyer, for four games, Brian Mallett, for two games, TJ Yates, and for one game, Brandon Whedon. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he turned that into fifteen hundred yards and eleven touchdowns. Oh my god! Like what? just psychotic stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I think it is. It is worth asking if it is an upgrade or a downgrade if, if between him and Watson. I I think it's an upgrade going from Watson, but I also don't think as highly of Watson as maybe some other people. I think we've turned Watson into a bit of a unicorn there. But again, I don't need to look at the quarterback when it comes to Nook. I don't need to look at the quarterback. The guy is fantastic. Yeah. And also, I, one of the most underrated moves of the, the offseason, I think, was, and I know this isn't really dependent upon our list, but like the Cardinals getting A.J. Green, like A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins. That's, I mean, that's going to be quite the duo. That will be. So that is our top 10. Do we need to refresh it again? Sure, we'll reset at one time Number for the 10. people that somehow listen to the end of the podcast. I, first. I, I need I need a big voice. I need a big voice to go like number ten. <laughs> number ten, Calvin Ridley. Number nine, Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints, Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. Number eight, Julio Jones, Tennessee Titans. Number seven, Justin Jefferson, Minnesota Vikings. Number six, A.J. Brown, Tennessee Titans. Number five, Allen Robinson, the Chicago Bears. Number four, Tyreek Hill, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm losing my voice. Number three, Stephon Diggs, Buffalo Bills. Did I say A.J. Brown wrong? No, I didn't. Okay. Twitch, Twitch chat threw me off. Number two, Devontae Adams. Cheesehead, screw them. <laughs> Number one, DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona Cardinals. Well, that I didn't is our first you, I didn't think you were going to commit to that bit all the way through. I'm, I'm impressed. I always I'm commit. I always I, commit. I, I, I love going back to explain number 10. <laughs> Calvin Ridley belongs to the Atlanta Falcons after you made the decision at number nine to start listing team names. <laughs> Which Chad is saying I accidentally said number three for AJ oh. Brown. Well, probably because yeah, yeah. Adequate. Perfect. six Adequate. is divisible by three, so technically yeah, it is. That's power. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we done. We're done. We all, really quick, can we say like how much it sucks to have a bunch of really good receivers in the NFC North? Yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah. But we got the best corner, so. Do we? Jeff Okuda, we trust, baby. Top 10 quarterback. (laughs) I thought I had to break the news to to Jeremy that Darius Slay no longer plays on this team. (laughs) He's washed anyways. Oh, Oh, wow. Listen to you. Oh, wow. He's just he's taking his victory lap. All right, we're out of here. (laughs) Download the podcast. Listen. And uh, by all means, we love all of you. Listcast continues next week. Who do we what do we have up next week for Listcast, Jeremy? That's a great question that I was not prepared for the answer. Um, Edge rushers. Edge rushers. Edge defenders. That's right. We're going to do edge defenders, then running backs, then cornerbacks, then tight ends. And then we bookmark we bookshelf uh, bookended. Excuse me adequate quarterbacks 
we save the best for last. We save the uh, the scub for the last one because that's who that's what we do. That's what we are. We are pride of Detroit. I'm Chris Perfett. He's Jeremy Reisman. That's Ryan Matthews. And as always, we'll see you star side. Oh, <laughs>